Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes, Ross Martin, still gallivanting on the other side of the world, or at least partway on the other side. So Greg and I will hold it down for our weekly Ross, Tommy, and Greg show. Greg, Carolina got through a, a regional. They hosted a regional and got through it as you're supposed to do as the host. Uh, didn't leave much doubt in who was the best team was there. Handled business night one, night two, and then crazy little league-esque game uh, for their third win to get out of there perfect. A lot of hosts did not make it through to the Super Regionals. Carolina certainly did with a bullet. They did, and I think the fact that they won in different ways. You mentioned kind of the, the Little League game. Uh, I think that's an apt description because uh, a lot of uh, poor plays, a lot of sketchy pitching, but the bats on both sides really took advantage. And I think you get to a situation, uh, there were kind of two two innings that stood out to me, and I guess it was North Carolina's five-run inning, which I believe that was the third, maybe the fourth, I think it was the third. And Houston just could not get out of their own way. Uh, had a couple errors, had a wild pitch. And basically North Carolina just had to take advantage of those, that sloppy play. And then you have the weather delay in the eighth and come back out and there's three walks with the bases loaded. Um, so, I mean, if you if you can't, do better than that you don't deserve to advance to a super regional and so north carolina really allowed houston to to do a lot of self-damage um but then if you you kind of back up a night i thought saturday was a very fun game very classic baseball game four three some big hits some key pitching um that was a, a really fun game to watch and so the fact that north carolina took advantage when they needed to, and then really just kind of outplayed Houston on Saturday night in a, in a very good competitive game. I think you know that, that kind of bodes well for North Carolina. Um, the one thing about the Sunday game is that a lot of people got involved. Like eight people had hits, seven had RBIs. That's big because North Carolina is going to need that. You know, North Carolina's pitching has not been up to the, the typical Mike Fox standard uh, this year. It helps getting Luca Delatri back for sure, uh, but in order to to win this upcoming weekend and and possibly to advance into Omaha, those bats are going to have to you know take up some of the uh, responsibility and, be- and bear some of the burden. And if they they do like they did on Sunday night, uh, that that kind of sets them up well to advance. You're right about the the two different types of ball games. That's just the nature of baseball, anywhere below the major league level. Um, even in high-level college, it happens like that. One a couple things that I knew that there were it was no doubt they were going to happen. The first was I had no doubt that Joe Davis was going to hit the first pitch <laughs> over the fence for a grand slam. I mean, he it just it. A, he called it in the dugout. Well, he uh, why he got a a pitch to look at even with the bases loaded when you're up significantly there. Um, the dude can definitely hit, especially when he gets a groove fastball, and then I had little doubt that, that the way that game was dragging out, it was going to get that rain delay. Um, 
one thing that a lot of people on the message boards talked about, and so let's talk about it just briefly. Houston seemed to be slow playing that to try to get to that point. And I'm not really sure why, because they were playing North Carolina tit for tat. And when you get to a big delay situation, it usually benefits the home team. Uh, but at any rate, your your sense there in the stadium, I know there was a lot of frustration. I know Mike Fox was frustrated. A lot of folks said the umpires need to do something about that. That's just the nature of the beast um, and what baseball allows. Um, but your thoughts on it? Yeah, that was a long game, uh, even without the weather delay. It was it was over four hours of actual game time, which is just too long for baseball, especially a nine-inning game. Uh, but I think Fox clearly was frustrated. I mean, that's, I've been been covering this team for, I mean, dating back to when I was part-time, close to 15 years. Um, and you don't see him that fiery. And I think he was frustrated that the – the weather delay started with a full count uh, to Kyle Dotras with bases loaded. You don't like to see that. Uh, Houston, for sure, was slow playing. Uh, and you, you, you should have been done with the game by that point in time. But they were just so crazy methodical and kind of wasting time. And I think the reason they did that, I mean, let's, let's look down at the Greenville Regional. You know, ECU had a lead going into a weather delay. Uh, and then you know, UNCW came out, and because ECU had cooled down and UNCW kind of rallied the, the troops, if you will, they were able to come back and, and win and, and knock uh, knock ECU out of their own regional. And so I think you're hoping for that if you're Houston, that, okay, if things aren't necessarily going our way, we're behind, but maybe if we can get into a rain delay, we can settle everybody down, and maybe we can cool off North Carolina a little bit and come out and make a run and try to even this thing up. Cause like you said, it's not like North Carolina ran away and hid Houston kept coming at them. So I think Houston probably felt good enough that they could make a charge, but they had to cool North Carolina down some. And I assume, I mean, you know, they were losing anyway. So it's not as though it was that big of a gamble. I mean, if you, you have to take a risk, take it and see if it works out for you. Uh, but like you said, I mean, that's, that's part of the strategy. That's part of the game. Um, you really don't have the, uh, the time constraints that all these other sports have. And so sometimes you're, you're tasked with dealing with that, but everybody in the ballpark, at least from a Carolina perspective, was agitated, media included. Yeah. Like you said, four hours is ridiculous. That ECU, uh, UNCW break, I, when it started, two o'clock or something, and they started yeah. back after eight o'clock, something ridiculous. Yeah, Five-hour delay, yeah. Yeah, those are those nightmare scenarios, especially in tournament. they got to be played. Let's look ahead. Carolina gets to host a Super Regional. Everybody knows that against a Stetson team that if folks don't know about, they should learn very quickly. They're going to come into Chapel Hill uh, with one of the best pitchers in the nation, three of the best pitchers pitching rotation in the nation, looking at their record 45 and 11, that in itself is impressive. The one maybe thing that is not as impressive for Stetson that bodes well for Carolina, I think, is they're only 13 and uh, what is it, 13 and eight away from home. They're dominant at home, but this is in Chapel Hill. Your takeover all on, on this series and also on the interesting game times uh, that the NCAA and ESPN has set for the series. Yeah, I mean, first talking about the, the game times, 
you're kind of limited with the fact that you, you only have a couple of Eastern teams, Eastern time zone teams. And so those teams are going to be hit with the early game times anyway. And then you add in the fact that there is an SEC bias because ESPN has hyped the SEC and they have the SEC TV channel and all that. Um, so I think a lot of that kind of works against you. And then you're also playing Stetson. And you know, before last weekend, you know, how many people listening to this podcast really knew about Stetson baseball? Matt, you know, I've, I've heard about them just because I follow this for a living, but I don't know many. I don't. I didn't know a lot about them, and I don't know many people that that did. Um, so that's kind of how you get stuck with the the game time. And you, we talk about the the delay with Houston on Sunday, and one of the reasons Mike Fox was so frustrated with that is because he knew with it being on a Sunday night, being in the eighth inning, there was a good crowd there. If that weather delay comes in, as it did, then the stands are going to empty. And he wanted his guys to be able to clinch the regional with a lot of fans there because it was a good atmosphere on, on Saturday night. I haven't really seen it like that at the Bosch in a long time. Mike Fox uh, says similar things. And so I think there was some frustration there. And so now you have this similar issue. If you get an 11 a.m. first pitch on Friday, you have to assume there's not going to be much of a home field advantage. I'm sure there will be you know, a good number of fans that show up, but it's not going to have the vibe of, of a later game. So I understand the frustration with that. But it, you know, it is what it is. You still have to play the game, and uh, I think North Carolina will be prepared. But with Stetson, uh, I, I think the fact that they are so good on the mound is phenomenal. I mean, you, you look at North Carolina, North Carolina has a 3.61 team ERA. That's pretty good. But then you look at what Stetson has done. Stetson has a 2.50 team ERA, which is just phenomenal. They've got, uh, let's see here. They've got nine guys in their, in their bullpen that have a, a ERA below three. And so, Really impressive stuff. Uh, as you mentioned, you, you got Logan Gilbert, a tall righty, uh, who was a first-round draft pick. Uh, North Carolina likely will see him Friday night. But then they've also got you know, a bunch of other guys that can pitch. Uh, all, all four starting pitchers for those guys have ERA south of 2.56. Uh, the worst record of the bunch is Joey Gonzalez, with, who's 8-3. Got a 175 ERA, so we're talking about a team that is is very good uh, on the mound, and then on top of that, uh, you know their their fielding percentage is is 975, so it's one of the better defensive teams in the country as well. So as I mentioned earlier, North Carolina's bats are really going to have to take advantage. On the flip side, Stetson is not a team that scores a lot of runs. They had a lot of success in their regional, uh, really against you know, Oklahoma State you kind of exploding on them for some runs. And if that continues, uh, the Hatters are going to be a really tough out. But that hasn't been the trend for them this year. So North Carolina needs some some solid pitching. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, they're going to need some some really good uh, plate appearances and really have to work to get into Stetson's bullpen. If they can do that, uh, that gives them a much better, much better chance. Looking at Gilbert, you mentioned him. He's ten and one. He's got a hundred innings pitched. He's got one hundred forty three strikeouts. Um, he's opponent batting average is like one seventy one or something ridiculously low. 
But to me, Greg, the fact that he's a righty now, this is where you come in because you follow it a lot closer than I I have. I've I've seen the Tar Heels have trouble with lefties that throw a lot of junk. Uh, Gilbert being a, a big righty that can bring it, I think that will help Carolina's bats in, in that, you know, it's not the – I don't know. My, my point is, how do you think the Heels will fare against a pitcher that's obviously going to be – on the next level in short order, likely. And is there a difference for this North Carolina team, really righty versus lefty? Because they've struggled against um, sort of rinky-dink lefties over the past 10 or 15 years. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's been as big of an issue this year for North Carolina. Um, they're a little bit more more balanced with, with how they like to approach their at-bats. Um, <clears throat> they're not so dominant on, on the lefties as they have been. Uh, but but you know, anytime you face a guy of this caliber, uh, you kind of get into a situation where you've got to have uh, patience at the plate, and I think that's one of the one of the ways that having some experience. You know, all these guys last year, none of them had been to a regional before because they're all young. But now you're talking about guys who you know, are, are a lot of juniors, a good number of sophomores. Uh, a handful of seniors, uh, Zach Gahagan, of course, being the, the key senior at the plate. But they understand what to do uh, against good pitchers. They see a lot of good pitchers in the ACC. Uh, and so I think it's really just plate discipline more than anything, more than any kind of you know left-right issue at this point in time. And so that that's going to be the, the challenge. But again, when you look at you know North Carolina uh, switching back to having Kyle Datris as your leadoff guy, and then you got Michael Bush coming in behind him, and those two were, were impressive uh, in, in regional play, and that's a really good one-two lineup. And then you talk about a guy like Brandon Riley, who really stunk it up the first month of the season, and ever since, you know, he's batting. I think he's batting over 400 since then. And then there's just so so many other guys who have kind of come on, and you know, Cody Roberts is a veteran. Uh, you like what he's done. Uh, and so, I mean, Ashton McGee started playing better. He he had a slow start to the season, but he's kind of come on. So you got a lot of different guys that can can capitalize throughout the lineup. It's not just you know you're one through five guys necessarily, and then you just hope something happens with the six through nine guys. You can actually count on everybody up and down the lineup to get on base and do some damage. And that's where North Carolina has to has to key. If somebody is able to get a hit, build off of that. You know, don't just don't just allow Gilbert to. I kind of dismiss that, you know, try to get a, try to get a walk or try to put some pressure on him some other way. And that way you can kind of affect him and get into him a little bit and maybe get him out of the game a little early. Looking at Carolina's rotation, uh, your thoughts there. I mean, you're Friday, Saturday and Sunday set up. So it's set up ideal. Who does Carolina start with on Friday morning at 11 AM? That, that's a great question, Tommy. And, I would have to say you finally hand the ball off to Luca Delatri. Um, I don't know if they're. I mean, he's going to pitch regardless. So this is a matter if you want him to do Friday or Saturday. But I would say you're probably going to need him if you want to win in Omaha. Because the way it's looking right now, you know, if North Carolina is able to advance, there's a really good chance they have to play Oregon State uh, in, in the first game in Omaha. Uh, and. Um, Luke, uh, I guess his name is Heimlich. 
uh, maybe mispronouncing his last name, uh, but he's a kid who's just been phenomenal this year. He's got a kind of a, a stained pass that's so kind of keeping him from from being drafted. Um, but he, you know, he's a guy that's kind of an elite level pitcher. And so you're going to have to have somebody go head to head with him if you're able to make it that far. And so that would, uh, you know, to me, that, that looks like that would be Delatry. And so I would say you go ahead and put him on the mound uh, against Gilbert, who's likely to go Friday for, for Stetson, uh, and just kind of let the, the cards fall as they may. And then I think what you would see is with Cooper Criswell, if he goes Saturday, you know, you, you hope to get four to five good innings out of him. Uh, and then at that point, you can kind of hand the ball off to Brett Daniels or, or Josh Hyatt, however you want to do it. And then if for some reason you go to a third game on, on Sunday, well, then you got options. You can go with Bergner, who'd probably get the start. Uh, Tyler Baum, uh, who's a guy that started a lot of games for North Carolina this year. Ronnie Hutchison. So you got a lot of different options that you could go with. But I think the key is to make sure you get a good Friday start. And that the big... The big question there, of course, is that the lottery hasn't gone really deep yet. Um, he, you know, he's shown some signs of of still having some fatigue coming back because he, he missed three months. And so it's really more stamina than anything. Um, he showed a little bit of sign of, of some tiredness uh, against um, Houston the other night. So we'll have to see. You know, he's, he's, he thinks he's getting back to where he needs to be. Uh, he, he is there for everything but the endurance. And so North Carolina just needs him to, to throw a, a number of good pitches. You know, if they get 100 pitches out of him, that would be fantastic. But I'm not sure if he's quite there yet. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned the the getting good innings. Those the, the big guys for Stetson have thrown 194 and 85 innings on the season. Carolina's guys, I think, there's a Bergner that's thrown the most at 75 innings that's a huge difference at this point in the season i think carolina's got to figure out how to get the friday win against stetson's ace and then just go from there i don't do not think you want to get behind against a team that's stacked with pitching um, but if carolina hits like they did especially in, against houston in the last game they should be fine um, but you you're right Dachers and bush those guys were phenomenal in the clinching game against houston they, they stirred a drink and we'll see how they go. Got to get on base against Gilbert and make him throw strikes, and then it becomes a very interesting ball game. So let me ask you something else about the, the sort of the rotation. Um, we talked earlier about the home run that I believe Hyatt gave up. Um, so who is, at this point in the season, in your opinion, uh, who is Carolina's closer? Is it Hyatt? Yeah, that's a great question, Tommy. And I think I think we could have a, a good debate about that. Uh just from the standpoint that uh the way the way Robert Woodard and Mike Fox have decided to use Josh Hyatt um is they put him they use him not necessarily as a closer, but as a critical situation guy. Now that could be a closing role, that could be in the middle of the game, that could be early in a game. Um he, I guess it was the Pittsburgh game, the ACC tournament, where he, he came in early and, and pitched quite a while. Uh, and so you, he has been your closer in years past, or last year anyway. Um, so he can certainly fill that role. But, you know, he, he struggled a little bit. Um, you know, Brett Daniels is the guy who has been fantastic for this team as a senior. Uh, but he struggled a little bit of late. 
and those are kind of your two key uh, bullpen guys. Uh, Joey Lancelotti has, has shown a lot of potential uh, as a young guy. And then, of course, you have, you have Hutchison, um, who's had, has had good days and bad days. So those are kind of your key guys. And if you have to circle any of them as the closer, it would have to be Hyatt. Um, but you know, it would not surprise me, you know, if North Carolina got in a situation on Friday where, you know, let's say Delatry starts, gets into the fifth inning and sixth inning, and, and Stetson gets a lot of guys on base and have some favorable odds in their favor, uh, you know, maybe Hyatt comes into the game there. And then you're left with the situation, okay, well, who's actually the closer? And so I think, I think the answer is that there's not a closer, um, but there's different guys that they feel comfortable with in that role trying to get key outs. And so you, you would say that Hyatt's probably your best option at the end of the game, uh, but, but they've shown that they, they really like to use Brett Daniels quite a bit. Uh, Lance Lottie, I kind of thought hey, I'd see more out of him here late. We haven't seen him quite as much. And then you got, you know, Hutchison really more of a, a long relief in the middle type of the game for, for North Carolina. But it's, it's a great question. Yeah, it's certainly better than the first one I asked. But and the reason I ask it, looking at Stetson, you got Brooks Wilson that's got twenty saves on the season, um, which is strong. He's also six and zero in thirty one appearances, and then I believe Hyatt's got five saves on the year. So, sort of more of a committee type approach for Mike Fox. But Stetson, yeah, and to to your point, Stetson's they're forty and zero when they're leading after six innings. So I mean they they get a lead and they take care of the lead. Uh, and so that's why it's important. North Carolina uh, has really dominated the games in the first inning. I want to say they've outscored their opponents like 46 to 13. So that type of outing early would be key to kind of give Luca or Cooper, whoever gets to start some um, real estate to work with so that you don't get into a late game situation where you've got, you know, some, some quality arms coming in for Stetson uh, that, that, where they, they do a really good job of, of shutting down the game. Interesting stat, 40-0 and 0 when leading after six. That's awfully huge. I think State had some stat like that before Carolina went over to Raleigh to steal one, steal a series from them in sweeping fashion. Greg, let's kind of turn away from Carolina on the field currently and look at the Josh Adams, or excuse me, Jordan Adams draft pick. I mean, no doubt, once he goes that high, he's got to go pro. But your thoughts on that i mean 18 year old kid great football player gets drafted that high in baseball i said that my children would not have a choice they would be going to play baseball somewhere um but your thoughts on it i mean i think it's just phenomenal that the kid is that good in football and even better obviously in baseball yeah i totally agree with you and uh, i agree with you about the kid thing too i mean if my if my kid was looking at you signing his name uh, to guarantee three and a half million. Yeah. We're going to do that. That's, that's not something we're going to debate. Um, you know, and there's, there's been a number of guys over the years who, you know, if, if baseball doesn't work out, well, you can go back and get your degree and that's fine. And if you want to try to play football at that point in time, have at it. Obviously you, your odds are, are not as good if you step away from the game for a while and you get older, uh, but the possibility is still there. But if you go to college and you decide to play, and you have some fluke injury. I mean, forget the three and a half million. And even you, even if you're just average as a football player or average as a college baseball player, the money's not going to be there. Um, and so you can really set yourself up for life 
and your family. You can change your your family tree by by making that decision. And I think he should be applauded. I mean, the, the kid's a phenomenal athlete. Um, I think the fact that he went ahead and made the decision to sign, um, I, I think that's good. We we can get it past us. You know, the fan base can can stop talking about it. It's not going to be a point of discussion when you get into fall camp. Um, I think that benefits the coaching staff. And so I, I, I think you, you have to applaud him for a job well done, for being a great athlete. You know, it's a sport that he loves. He said that before. Um, so, you know, a lot of, he, he's got options. And that's, that's the good thing about it. Uh, you know, if he wanted to play football, he could. How many, how many kids can say that, that they could go to college and probably start from day one as a football player, yet at the same time, have the ability to go and, and try to pursue a major league baseball career. Not not many people can do that. And so that just speaks to you know, his athleticism, but it also speaks to character because if you're, if you're not a strong-willed kid determined and, and you work hard, those opportunities do not fall in your lap. And so I think it says a lot about Jordan. It says a lot about that family. And uh, like you said, I, I think everybody should be happy for him, even though he's not going to be playing football for, for UNC this fall. Indeed, yet yeah, three and a half million. There's no choice. I mean, yep. you're signing it one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at uh, sort of the tournament in general. Uh, ACC sort of fell flat on its face, um, but I admitted on Twitter and caught a little bit of blowback. I pulled for Duke to beat Georgia um, simply because it's baseball. And SEC, like you mentioned earlier in this podcast, the SEC bias is so strong. And I've always liked Georgia, but it was good to see Duke get through to the Super. Uh, they're going to enjoy Lubbock, Texas, and Texas Tech. But your thoughts there and around the ACC? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of underdogs. And so the way the regionals are set up uh, really allows you to pull for, for teams that lose early in the regional because they have such a you know, hard hill to climb. And I don't know what the stat is, but something like teams that win their first two games you advance like 80% of the time. So you, if, you, if you control the winner's bracket, uh, you have very good chance of moving on to the Super Regionals. That means the other teams do not. And so uh, to see Duke battle back, not only through the regional, but they were behind in every single game. Um, and for them to kind of rally past, I, I thought that was impressive. Um, I thought, you know, Mississippi State kind of did the same thing. They got boat raced in their first game in a football score. I think it was uh, 20 to 10, Oklahoma beat them. And yet they're able to kind of come back and, and advance. So I do like those those aspects of it. Um, I think beneficial for, for most fans is that uh, while there are going to be for sure three SEC teams in the college world series a lot of them are having to play each other this weekend i mean you look at arkansas south carolina uh, vandy mississippi state and then florida auburn so you're going to eliminate three of those teams as well uh, and that leaves you with some, some interesting teams i mean i think the fact that you mentioned earlier oregon state's probably going to be the, uh, the the front runner on the right side of the bracket just because they're the highest remaining seed on that side with, with stanford getting uh, upset uh, but that that's a team that you know, North Carolina has history with. And so the fact that if Oregon State and North Carolina can hold serve, you know, we've got a very interesting game to, to cover that first weekend in, in Omaha, which would be pretty fun. And 
I think the fact that so many of these one seats, I mean, just going through the list here, Ole Miss got knocked out. ECU got knocked out. Georgia got knocked out. State got knocked out. Baylor, UConn, uh, Purdue, not 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 UConn, Coastal Carolina. Um, you know, a lot of these teams got got knocked out. Clemson as well. Um, and that just speaks to kind of the challenge of college baseball, having to, to win some of these games. It speaks to the parity of college baseball. Uh, you've got a lot of really good arms. I mean, like Stetson. As I said earlier, who's heard of Stetson? And yet they've got these studs on the mound uh, that North Carolina is going to have to deal with this weekend. So I think it's I think it's fun. And I think now that we're kind of in the nitty-gritty, we're kind of in the sweet 16 of this deal, uh, where you have these you know, best of three series trying to get down into to Omaha. So uh, it's, I think it's a good format. It gives you something different to look forward to each weekend. I think that's fun. And then, of course, Omaha is just a lengthy affair out there in the heartland. Yeah, it, I hope uh, that we're talking about this in a week to see Carolina going up against Oregon State because I kind of want to talk about the Luke Hamlet story. It was an article in Sports Illustrated a couple of weeks ago that I read, and I had certainly know of his situation but read the article. Um, it could be an interesting discussion just in the not really baseball-related type deal if we get to that point, but – He's a great pitcher. Stetson's loaded with good pitchers, and all it takes is a couple good pitching out on, uh, outings, and you've advanced to Omaha. Greg, I'm sure you'll cover this weekend in full. I'm sure we'll talk more about it next week. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.